This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve peek behind the curtain of the afterlife to call on Tim Burton's rapaciously ribald reprobate and bio-exorcist extraordinaire, Beetlejuice from 1988. Join our countdown to Halloween where we'll hear from our lord and savior Denzel, wax nostalgic about films from 1997, and learn about Steve's dad going full goblin and eating pumpkin guts to get him to man up. Come on down and we'll chew on the dog. Let's wax this paranormal porpoise. Chase, don't do that. You see, we, we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. All right, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we're back, back again. This is going to be our final Ode to Halloween entry. Uh, we're finishing on a crowd pleaser, more mainstream uh, flick, but uh, one that Steve's never seen, nonetheless. 1988 again with the 88 man. That's I got to look back. It's at least our fifth movie from 1988, but uh, Beetlejuice. Starring uh, Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder. Uh, tonight, you got myself, uh, Jim G, baby. G Funk. And of course, uh, the usual suspect, Steve. How are you doing? Sup, G? Doing good. Three fourths of this is inaccurate. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking the same thing that this podcast has just turned into a. A cinematic exploration of 1987 to 1989, <laughs> but I, I went back and looked, and it it wasn't as narrow as I thought it was. Yeah, that's my cat. I think there's some recency bias in there because I think in like the last five or ten episodes, in, in particular, they've been there's been a pretty tight pattern. But I think that just goes to show that 1988 was a a banner year for film um, yeah i mean it was no 97 but uh they seem to have been cranking out some good stuff yeah 97 sounds like a good year but i i get 97 and 99 mixed up quite a bit um, i think i think 97 was like the only year in my life where i actually watched a lot of movies because we had a uh, a movie rental place right down the street and they had a really good deal the five movies for five bucks for five days so five 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 yeah we would just crush movies just for that year though <laughs> yeah just just the one year yeah i mean you can uh, only see beverly hills ninja so many times <laughs> and jackie chan's first strike see that's that's the other thing too is like you say 97 you rented a lot of movies that means probably a lion's share of those movies that you were able to rent were probably from 95 and 96 because fair, fair beca point <laughs> well it just goes to like uh, something that i don't know if you've noticed but like in the last maybe five ten years maybe more like the releases have gotten like way quicker like the fucking halloween ends that just came out uh in theater is you're going to be able to own it in november and then uh, I think the digital and then the hard copy is in December. So that's like 
two month, two month, three month turnaround, which I remember when I was like in my formative years, you know, like those teenage years, it was like a year minimum. It, yeah. Like right off it the definitely bat. seemed like, like it. Well, or at least for, like nine or 10 months, you know? Yeah. Well, and one recent example that made me think of is they had Top Gun in my local theater for so long because people just kept it. Dude, honestly, it might still be in theaters, but I remember seeing an ad on my TV for Paramount or whatever that's like rent Top Gun now. And it's like, it's still in theaters. Holy shit. And I, that was the first time I'd really seen the lack of any sort of break between. I don't know if it's like a COVID thing where they were putting movies straight out and they're like, oh, wow, people like this. And we can make more yeah. money the sooner we get it out. Or or maybe it was just a logistical thing back then when it wasn't digital. It was like, well, we got to print up 40,000 discs before we can. <laughs> and now it's just like, uh, push the button. Now it's out there and people can. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Know. No, I, I think there's, some, there's something to that for sure. And it's so simple that like, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I never thought about that. But yeah, it is. I mean, like the actual physical production of a thing versus the digital. I mean, you're getting paid less for the digital in some cases, your chart, like in some cases too, that it's, it's a way to maybe capitalize because when you do, when they do the digital same day releases, they'll charge, you know, like higher than a movie ticket, like 20 bucks for the chance to watch it in comfort of your own home same day, which I can understand the appeal to like just someone having kids and younger kids. And it's like, fuck, you're going to make it available. It's like, yeah, no brainer. Instead of having to get someone to, you know, a sitter and then you got to make plans, get there, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, I, that's kind of the one thing, like, I feel like, uh, like during COVID, I think it, I thought it was cool that they did that, and I think that there's, I hope they get back. We get back to like shit being in the theater, like as the norm, and then like having like a side option, and not being like the main focus uh, of like digital or you know watch it same day. Like, but I get it. Like while that was all that shit was going on, um, it was nice. Like I watched Mortal Kombat on. Uh, HBO Max, like when it the same day it released, or that was pretty cool. Did you have you seen the new Mortal Kombat reboot? Uh uh-uh. uh That's pretty I have, cool. I have not. It's pretty rad. If you like the first Mortal Kombat from '95, I think it's worth a spin. It's got some pretty cool fucking fight scenes. I definitely like the first one. Uh, but speaking yeah. of movie theater experience, you know, it, it used to be that was the the thing you wanted was to go to the theater, whatever. And yeah. and now, and now for me, I don't know if it's me as I get older or what, but I, I would sort of prefer watching it at home for the most part, like Top Gun again, to use as a, as a good example of that would be a good movie theater one. But the missus and I went to go see uh, that Joe Coy movie a couple months ago, which yeah, the movie wasn't that good. I, we really like Joe <laughs> Coy though. Super funny, but the movie was just, I don't know. I don't. I don't even have the the words to describe. It was just very like, all right, this is kind of, you know, not really special or interesting or or anything really. But it was just a vehicle for Joe Coy. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe it's because I, I'm I'm really familiar like with his upbringing story. So it's like, oh, I mean, this is all I've I've heard all this before, and yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of the jokes he makes about his family. It's like, yeah, I've, I've heard that, but. Uh, it's part of his act. He's just finally able to like package it up into a, well, a and movie he, experience. 
and he plays a comedian in the movie. It's like, well, that's a stretch. And so, but the, <laughs> my point is, uh, we went on one of those days where it's like super cheap all day. Mm-hmm. And so there weren't very many people in the theater cause it had been out for a little while. And this group of like four chicks came in late, which is fine. That doesn't really bother me, but it's a pretty open theater and they sat somewhat close to us and they just proceeded to have like normal volume level conversations with each other the entire fucking movie and every single punchline in quotes that you could call it was just like over the top laughing it was so fucking annoying and distracting we ended up like moving to the other side of the theater and you know you couldn't hear him anymore but it was so like who are these people why are you this way you know so yeah tar and feather them Oh my God! Yeah. No, no, no! I want to hear it from your lips. <laughs> yeah, that sucks, man. I've had that experience where it's like similar, but not the same. Like you go into a like an almost empty theater, you sit down, someone comes in after you and sits directly in front or directly behind you. It's yeah. like what the fuck is going on? And yeah. otherwise, they're they just sit there and enjoy the movie and there's no other problem, but it's just like, why do you got to be up on me? There's literally 65 other seats. And it's not like we're in like directly in the center, like the perfect, like geometric fucking viewing angle. It's like, we're kind of like off to the side, like left third. So Uh it's like, it just, it seems like someone like, like that's one of their ticks. Like, Oh, I'm going to get off on sitting right behind this fucking person or directly in front. Like, I'm not going to let them put their feet up. One of those fucking assholes. Um, well, I know it's an, it's an old kind of joke, but when you go into a bathroom that has 15 oh, urinals yeah. in a row and the guy decides to sidle up to the one right next to you, it's like, why? <laughs> why, why are you this way? Yeah. <laughs> just do the thing from waiting. Like, don't say anything and then just look at him like, quit looking at my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Or just shoot him a fucking bat wing. Nice dong. Yeah. It's like, what do you think? Do you think I can get any money for this? Uh, <laughs> it's not small, it's thin. <laughs> Painted silver look like a kickstand. <laughs> you beat me, damn it. Uh, that's my go-to. Yeah, I'm just looking back. There's a ton that from like 97 and 99. I don't know why those two years are so interchangeable. But like Fight Club... And mm. big, like Big Daddy came out ninety nine. I could have, I would have bet my life that it was ninety seven. Uh, Fight clubs interchangeable in there too. Devil's Advocate, Contact, Gattaca, Goodwill Hunting. Damn, ninety seven had some bangers. Out to Sea with Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, I don't recall if I have. I don't think I it's, have. It's basically like uh, Grumpy Old Men on a like a carnival cruise and they're just like they're kind of like con artist dudes and it's funny walter matthew goes up and i think to like a blackjack or like a poker game and he sits down all suave and one of the dudes like hey where'd you go to nice to meet you blah 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 where'd you go to school and he's like oh a little place called fu and he (laughs) flips him off while he's scratching his eye dude that's a good movie yeah um i like those two together yeah oh yeah Felix. All right. So let's get into Beetlejuice. This was the first time watch, right? I think I was assuming uh, that. 
it yes it was there was a there was a small part of me that thought maybe i had seen this when i was younger and then by watching it it might come back to me a little bit i didn't i didn't have even a whisper of a memory of this movie as i was watching it the the very the very opening credits i mean they're they're kind of generic and like really tim burtony and just kind of spooky movie whatever so i was mm-hmm. like ah this might seem this could be something I've seen before. And then as it got into it, I was like, I have no memory of Alec Baldwin or Gina David, like anything in this movie at all. So, uh, yep. Got a first timer over here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always forget, like not anymore, but there was a period of time when I would like rewatch, like I would always forget that Alec Baldwin was the lead because I had seen this a little bit after I'd seen him in more recognizable things where, cause he's pretty thin in this movie. That's what always strikes me. Like how young and how thin he is. And he's got like some like funky, like five o'clock shadow going on the whole movie. So it looks looks, like it could be his younger cousin or like younger brother or something. I was going to say, he looks like one of his own brothers. Like, yeah. Like if you told me this was Billy Baldwin or yeah, I would, I would believe you. Cause yeah, he he definitely doesn't look like he appears now or in the last 20 years. Which is funny because he and Gina Davis are really the main characters. And, uh, you know, you stick with them most of the movie. And which is another weird phenomenon. Like, people think of Beetlejuice and, like, you know, the namesake, Michael Keaton playing Beetlejuice. He's only in this movie for, like... I don't have the trivia in front of me. It's somewhere between like nine minutes and like 12 minutes total screen time. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's not that uncommon when you think about like, for instance, like Hellraiser, which we is very right now, but like, you know, like the, I know you haven't seen any of them, but like the pinhead guy with the nails in his fucking Uh head. Yeah. And that's who you picture. Like that's the namesake. That's like the, he's only him and those Cenobites is like demon fucks in his crew. Uh, they're only in like nine minutes of the first Hellraiser. Um, Hmm. there's a couple other movies. I can't, I was thinking about this, uh, this idea before we recorded, but there's a couple other films too, where like, Oh, like, um, Silence of the Lambs, the first one with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. Anthony Hopkins, you know, uh, Hannibal the Cannibal, and and you know the, you th- you think of him intimately in like the the kind of Jason mask, and he's strapped to that gurney thing. Yeah. He's only in fucking that movie for like ten to fifteen minutes total. Oh, is so, that right? Yeah, huh? Yeah, that that one's primarily you're following. Uh, Jodie Foster pretty much the whole movie, like trying to figure the shit out. And she gets a little bit of help. It's funny. I didn't, I didn't notice that when I saw that, but I definitely noticed Michael Keaton wasn't in this one very much, but the parts that he is in are so like memorable and kind of like densely packed of him being like a wild motherfucker that I think it, at least when I was younger, I didn't, if you, if you, somebody would have told me that, I'd be like, what? That doesn't make sense. It's Beetlejuice. He's in the fucking movie. But yeah, when you really break it down to like minutes, like it, it seems odd that I feel like they could have got more out of him, even though that he, this is like a classic role of his and Beetlejuice is a classic character. This might be a really dumb opinion or a, yeah, well, I guess you tell me, but <laughs> I don't know if it was intentional or if it was a time, like an 80s thing, but. 
you know, uh, the Beetlejuice characters super intense and like over the top. But I felt like everything else in the movie was even goofier than his character. You know, like yeah, uh, the I'd agree with that. The main couple and the Otho guy and like that whole thing. And it was just like <laughs> it was like super just corny and like kind of yeah. dumb. But I was expecting it to be the opposite. Like you know, they go to Beetlejuice and he's doing something crazy. Like he actually seemed like the most coherent in a way <laughs> i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah let's get into it because i mean I, c- I can see that in some parts and it is i mean you're right everyone else probably besides alec baldwin and jeevan davis they play it pretty straight most of the movie but yeah everyone else is pretty batshit crazy yeah i mean maybe i don't know now that i like say it out loud and think about it more maybe what i'm kind of keying in on is he Michael Keaton does such a good job in this role, just acting wise, that when they go to the other people who are just not good actors, it just seems cheesier. You know, like um, I, w- I would say, with the exception of you know the mom from Home Alone. The, yeah, I was just about to say she the, gives a pretty fucking awesome. The, the principal from Ferris Bueller and uh, Winona yeah. Ryder. I feel like they all did a good job acting wise, but and I know they're the majority of the other movie stars but i don't know i just felt like the movie itself was pretty goofy but i i just think alec baldwin did a really terrible job in this movie i didn't care for him at all and if you were to transport me back to this time and say like michael keaton or alec baldwin which is going to have the more sort of mainstream notoriety and this might also be a really dumb opinion or misstatement of fact as a non-movie file cinephile whatever (laughs) um i feel like alec baldwin is much more famous and sort of respected than michael keaton is but i feel like it should be the opposite yeah okay so that's i'd agree with that's not an out no yeah i'd agree with that even like with the whole you know gun the blank shooting all that shit notwithstanding i think even aside from that uh i think he has he has like a reputation of being he can be a fucking asshole yeah and real abrasive and i mean he has i mean there's been cases before too like where he's recorded like talking calling, really calling shit. his daughter a fat little pig yeah all that H- shit and like hilarious <laughs> i don't want to besmirch his name any further but i i want to say there's like previous allegations of at at most him like beating on kim basinger or or at minimum, just like being an asshole to her and like being verbally abusive and being a sh- just a sh- fucking shithead to yeah. her. So he seems he, like I know a he's got that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that reputation for sure. So whereas, yeah, like Michael Keaton, I just saw something the other day. It was like a little short clip. Um, there was a period of time where he like quit acting, or not like quit. Like I'm giving this up, but he like he only took a few roles and there was a, a good chunk of time where, and he said he was talking to Bill Hader and he's like, he's like, Hey man, he's like, you gotta just, if you're having kids, he's like, sure. You're going to lose some jobs, but he's like, just focus on your kids for as long as you can. You'll never regret it. Kind of thing. Cause I guess Bill Hader was coming to him with advice. Like, what do I do? Do I try to like, just squeeze as much as I can out of this, like fame and notoriety and being able to get jobs or, so I thought that that's kind of endearing too, you know, and he, I mean, he doesn't have all these allegations in this history of being a hothead piece of shit. So 
Yeah. yeah Michael Keaton's always struck me as like, kind of like a, like a dude you'd, you'd want to have a beer with. Like he just seems like a good dude. I could, I could see him being like a theater guy too, you know? I don't oh yeah. Know. I don't, like he's I don't like know dedicated to the, to the craft of acting right. and like wanting to uplift others. And yeah. I hope Alec Baldwin goes to jail. He fucking killed a lady. Yeah, I mean that's a rabbit hole we could go down, and then that would tie into like there's some some weird shit too about. Um, are you familiar with? Uh, it's similar to the like, the crow with uh, Bruce Brandon, Lee's son. Yeah, Brandon yeah, Lee. yeah, and how he died on set with like a yeah. a blank and all that kind of shit. Yeah, but that was an actual equipment malfunction. This was like an oversight in process that. If if they're handing you a gun and you're pointing it at someone, it is I don't it doesn't matter what happens before it comes to you. It's one hundred percent on you to check it yourself because you know it's somebody it's somebody else's life on the line and your own. But yeah, I don't know enough about guns or like the kind of precautions or what kind of procedures that they go through like on a film set. But like my novice understanding would would be like not to like let alec baldwin off completely but in that kind of situation i'd be like well i'm an actor mm-hmm. i'm here to trust you know like the prop guy the fucking production the second unit director everyone who's like in charge in, in charge of like the logistics and like everything from the time that the gun is handed to this actor person which may as well be a fucking robot yeah or another piece of equipment and then make and executing the shot that you're trying to go for I mean, that's where my mind first went, like not wanting to let this guy off the hook, but again, so, I'm not a big gun guy at all or I like I can't remember who I heard interviewed, but it's another guy who's in like the film actors guild or whatever who was talking mm-hmm. about like gun handling best practices and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, you you do rely on the armorer and the director whatever, but ultimately it's on you when they hand it to you." Like imagine if imagine if the scene was him holding the gun to his own head and pulling the trigger, you know fucking damn well you're checking that yeah, shit. He's going to so, be going through a separate set of checks to ensure well, his safety, yeah. And that ill-advised interview he gave to George Snuffleupagus, or I think that's who it was, he was talking about, yeah. you know, I've been in the film industry for 20 years. I know all about gun handling safety. You know, he's like, he's saying things that they might sound good in your head, but it actually is more damning than you think because you're saying like, Oh yeah, I know all about these safety precautions. <laughs> I just, anyway, that is yeah. Separate rabbit hole, but just been revoked. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good look when you break it down like that too. I, I also did think it was kind of strange in the settlement that they reached her deceased widower gets like an EP credit on the movie as part of the settlement. Like he gets some weird, <laughs> I don't know. He gets to wet his beak too. So fuck we can put on our tinfoil hats yeah yeah i don't know um so gina davis not a traditionally attractive woman i would say but i still find her really hot sometimes like oh yeah i don't know well i do and don't at the same time like in a league of their own like this chick is a monster but she's also (coughs) super hot sometimes it's quite the paradox can you think of can you think of anybody Else that might fit that. Anyone similar to Gina Davis? Um, or just somebody that you, you look at and you're like, you're not pretty, but I like it. Uh, I would say probably Sweet D from 
Um, yeah. It's always sunny. That's the first <laughs> one because she's tall and she has, she's kind of bird like. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I like that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but it's strange. I'm sure there there's, there's more, um, like that. Yeah. I would consider like my, <laughs> my kick of using handsome to des- describe a woman. Gina Davis is a handsome woman. Um, yeah. She's like a classic, like I think of like a forties, like not a flapper, but like just like one of those strong bitches that probably like was like welding and like making like artillery rounds. Uh huh. In yeah. during World War Two, like she's just a fucking pack mule. Um, yeah, definitely a more masculine jawline than Alec Baldwin in this movie. They could have easily switched roles, and I don't think many people would have noticed. Yeah. She does. She looks like she's got a strong chin, like she could have been a fucking boxer or something. Pretty pretty gal, though, I will say. She's pretty smoking in, um, the fuck is it? Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. This that's is right also, in that sweet spot of like I was 96, say, 97. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm 1,000% positive we rented it, but I have no memory of it at all. That's a good one. I I was kind of in the same boat, and then weirdly enough, like Kelsey's like, "Oh, I love that movie." Like, just it's mm-hmm. such a weird movie for her to like latch onto. But yeah. yeah, I watched it a few years ago. We flash back to it since being like thirteen or fourteen in that range, and it's actually pretty good. It's it's kind of a hot mess, but in a good way. Um, it's kind of a good holiday flick. It's like a new one to throw in, like wedge in between your Home Alones and. Like plane trains and automobiles. Is it is it set near Christmas time? I don't remember that at all. I yeah, there, there's ah. a couple. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, there's a couple set pieces where it's like snowing. There's like lights on houses and shit. So it's not overt, but it takes it takes place. And I think there's a couple flashbacks too uh, during the season. Do you are you also annoyed for for this week's installment of Get Off My Lawn? <laughs> are you are you also sick and tired of the the zeitgeist debate that's been going on for way too long? Like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Like, just fuck off! I'm so yeah. sick of hearing about that. Yeah, I feel like now it's like, oh, this is an easy, easy shit post like article. <laughs> I can I can write every fucking year and just exploit like the idiots that are gonna be like, yeah, it is, and like, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, who gives a fuck? Do you if think you, it is? If then you it could is just, great. If, if you could just like say, hey, everybody who has a strong opinion about this. Uh, meet at this location to argue about it, and then when they get and there, just go set... fuck yourself. I was gonna say set the building <laughs> on fire, like Inglorious Bastards. Like <laughs> all of you, go inside and just die. <sighs> but so I guess we should go back to the beginning because we have yet to make a determination if I liked the movie or not. Yeah, we have. We kind of we've got on a couple side voyages here. You want to get right into it? Yes. So, can I guess real quick? Sure. I'm going to say it's a. I'm going to say it's a no. Um. Well, would you say that of all of the ones we've watched or talked about, this is probably the most like mainstream? Um. Because if you look at the list of all probably. the other ones, if I said like, oh, I've never seen 
the limey or or even like the prestige which i feel like is pretty that's my cat um yeah it's it's pretty prestige is pretty under the radar i feel like this one would top the the gym scale of oh my god you haven't seen this one right i i would say i'm of two minds about that i would say yes and no but only on the no side because i i don't have a, like a particularly strong like love or like uh, tie to this flick in particular. I like it, but okay, it's not like if, when I if say somebody I told seen me Ghostbusters or something. Yeah, I don't think it's a travesty. Um, I think you're missing out in some ways, but it's like, yeah, it's not one I feel super strongly about. Versus like probably a, an overkill comparison, but like Chinatown. Okay, or, um, gotcha. I'd probably yeah, that, actually that's that's fair. I'd, I'd probably put this one alongside like the Burbs. Okay. Um, so yeah, I forgot about Chinatown. That's like a classic. So yeah, I'd say China Chinatown's probably the most well-known one, but this is a close second, probably looking at the list of flicks we have seen. So okay. Far. So so in my mind, going into this, this was held in the same sort of esteem in your mind as like Ghostbusters. So I really maybe wanted a to, shade, maybe a shade under. I want it. Uh, I was going in with an open mind, but because I thought you liked it so much, I really wanted to dislike it just for fun. Um, <laughs> but no, I liked it. It was fun. I, cool. I think I would. I think I would have liked it a lot more if I had seen it as a kid. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I had no problem with it. I I don't know if I'd watch it again for years, but uh, yeah, I liked it. There were, there were parts of there were things about it that I really liked. That you know, it wasn't overwhelmed by like the goofiness or it wasn't overly corny for what it was right that's cool i kind of changed based on your attitude and like in these this first half hour of talking it just made me like i had like a i called an audible in my head i was like i feel like he's trending towards a no here but that's cool i'm, I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it yeah i like it yeah, yeah i watched it as a kid and it was kind of like uh like it was just fun. It's pretty low stakes. It's not like in your face scary. It's kind of like a, just like an all around. Although it is PG, and I thought it was interesting. They use the word "fuck" in this yeah. movie. I'm not, I kind of scratched my head. I didn't look at the trivia about this at all, but I'm sure there's some nugget in there about how they were able to kind of slide in there with with that. When he's like, "Nice fucking model," well, it just slipped through. I can't. I can't even remember what movie we were talking about. Where it was before they even had PG thirteen, so it was either PG or R. And I think yeah, you it was got Poltergeist. Like two, I think you got like two fucks or something like that. Maybe it wasn't Poltergeist. Yeah, I think it's either one or two. And this is before. Uh, yeah, I think it was eighty four that they instituted PG thirteen. And then this one was made in eighty eight. Beetlejuice yeah. was, which was even more of a head scratcher. I was like. Because, I mean, there's a couple of scenes and there's some themes that they talk about, too. To me, it was like this would lend itself to like, oh, yeah, this is an automatic PG-13. No no question. Um, yeah, he, he like simulates jerking off at one point. He's getting like really handsy with a, a couple of oh, yeah. gals at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> tries to bang a 13-year-old or whatever one of the writer's age yeah. is supposed to be. And marry her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, that's that's one I was I, I had meant to look up some trivia. Maybe I'll get it to get into it here on the fly. But um, yeah, I was like, why is this rated? Fucking uh, not that I'm against it. It's like whatever, but I just don't understand why that why it wouldn't because I know that like the rating system they can be super anal and like all over your shit. Like when like some films are trying to get a PG thirteen and they get pushed into R. Or yeah. the same with like something that's like going for a hard R and it seems to be hitting all the boxes of like, okay, yeah, this can be an R and it's rated NC 17 and they have to do a shit ton of cuts to bring it down to an R or the same with R to PG 13. So it seems this, this one seems like it'd be easy pickings to be like, yeah, this should be PG 13, not PG. Like I think I of like, like Disney movies and shit as a PG. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So you did like this one. Cool. Um, I did. What, I liked- was, what was your favorite part? Probably ob- obviously getting outside of Michael Keaton. He kind of steals every scene he's in. Yeah. And I, I think if, if he hadn't put in such like a solid performance, I don't think it would have, it would have uh, come across as positive to me. Like if they had some other goofball in there, just mm-hmm. kind of over the top, then it probably would have been a no from me. Uh, but he did, he did a really good job, and uh, I think my two favorite things in this movie were one, Winona Ryder's hair that was pretty fun, and just <laughs> fucking bananas. Uh, and two was the unexpected mesh of the sort of theme and feel of the movie and the bizarre ass soundtrack, like all that. The, you know that the I, they called it calypso music or whatever. Mm-hmm. That should not jive with like a s- silly, scary movie, but I think it worked really well. Yeah, it does totally. Like the it goes together and yeah. all that shit. Yeah, it goes together like <laughs> lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I would say when I was younger, I didn't really for whatever reason I didn't like that aspect of the movie. I thought it was like kind of like dumb like i wanted more like beetlejuice and like quips and like weird shit happening but the older i get the more i respect that part like the dinner scene where they sing that song and it culminates in the fucking shrimp hands coming at their face i i get a pretty good kick about that whole part and like how there's that's supposed to freak them out. And they're like, Oh, that was fun. Like we can, we can exploit this and turn this into like a fucking carnival ride. You know, like that whole side of it is pretty funny. Like these fucking ghosts can't get, can't catch a fucking break at trying to like haunt it, their own house. <laughs> it, it was funny. If the goal is to scare them, it's like, maybe just skip straight to the shrimp thing instead of making them do like a fun choreographed, silly dance you know because that that doesn't seem very (laughs) scary (laughs) yeah totally i really love the first uh our first intro it's not even like the first interaction but it's like the tv commercial on set when they see uh like beetlejuice pitching his shit and he's dressed up like the cowboy yeah he's like pitching it like come on down it's like we got snakes (laughs) and all kinds of shit for the little ones and He's, and when he like gets on his back, he's like, "I'll I'll give you free exorcism or possession with the with the first deal." And he's like, "Oh, I got the spirits running all through me." And he's on his back, and the line at the end where he's like, 
I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. So come on down and I'll chew on the dog. <laughs> They're fucking, that kills me every fucking time. It's like, what does that mean? I'll chew on the fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. Right there, it's just like, and I, probably my second favorite part is when um, they're like, when they actually meet up with Beetlejuice and they're talking to him. And he's like, and Alec Baldwin's like, uh, so what are your uh, qualifications? And, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, that's when you like, you can see the craft. Like, he can like downshift and like fucking put the foot to the gas, you know? And he's like, oh, well, I studied at Juilliard and like, boom. Yeah. And he like culminates in this big crescendo, like, talking about seeing exorcist 167 times and all this shit. Like I, that part. And like when he has the shirt, the flannels and he's like, Hey, we shop at the same stores. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then at the same time, he's getting real handsy with Gina Davis. And yeah, <laughs> the, the last thing I'll say too, is like when he's like broing down with them and it's like, you know, you're getting to see how gross this fucker is too. And he hawks that loogie into his shirt. Like mid conversation, he's like, "Ugh, oh, save that guy yeah. for later." Dude, yeah. that's when I that's that's when I throw down quite a bit. Like whenever I have to like clear my throat or hawk a loogie and gross out my wife, that's like a go to. Like, <laughs> save that guy for later. <laughs> it always draws like disgust, yet I'll get a, a slight laugh too from it. So, <laughs> but yeah, it just I mean, it, it's it's nothing like that. You know, it's not a hot take but Michael Keaton steals every fucking scene he's in, in this film. I just wish we had a little bit more of them. Yeah. Um, but then again, maybe it, it could be like, they balanced it just right. Like they got the secret sauce. They got the formula. Cause what if you put a little, you inject too much of him in the story and then it's overkill. So who knows, but yeah, you got to leave, leave the people wanting more, I guess would be the uh, theory behind that. Did you notice one of the characters you'll probably, I don't think you'll recognize him, but like his name, uh, the guy at the end, like the uh, the big investor guy, his name is Robert Goulet. I always remember Richard in the warehouse being like Robert Goulet, <laughs> like I, rem- I yeah, I recognize his name in the in the credits. There were yeah. a few names, like I don't know why I know this name, but I've heard it before, but I didn't know that's who that character was. Who was that? No, like, I didn't know the name went to that guy. I just saw oh, the name okay, in the credits, like, oh, I've heard that name before. Like, Jeffrey Jones, the guy, the principal from... Uh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, yeah. Yeah. Who is on the shit list, because I think he's died since, but he came out, he was, like, a pedo, or he was, like, looking at child porn, and or he was, like, in a, like, a a Chris Hansen kind of situation where he's trying to meet a kid or was conversing. But yeah, he's, he's persona non grata these days. I can't remember if he's died. Well, but definitely not if he's dead. Yeah. He's a fucking freak. I would like to say like, I called that one or he, he, he does seem like a creep. He's got a couple roles like in his, uh, his filmography where he plays just a fucking slime ball. I liked him in this one. <laughs> yeah i mean putting aside all the shit like uh like he's just trying to like like just having to, to put up with Catherine o'hara like holy fuck man he just wants to relax yeah. <laughs> crazy bitch wife what'd you think of her in this um i mean her character's annoying but she's supposed to be annoying 
you know, I, I like her as an actress. She seems good at her job, I guess, from this novice point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd agree. She's, I think, she's in, I think um, the thing with her is, like, she's not in enough uh, based on, like, or given, like, her acting chops. Like, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe that she's just been in a bunch of shit I haven't seen, but... I know she's gotten. I know she's she's had a funny role in fucking uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I remember. I haven't seen much of that show, but there's one episode that's pretty funny um, that she's in. But I know she's of late. She's gotten like acclaim late in life with uh, Shit's Creek, which I haven't seen at all. But I've heard a lot of good things. But I feel like, given like her her acting prowess, I feel like she should have been in more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, I've only seen her in a couple things, but the old lady likes to watch Shit's Creek, and from what I've seen of that show, it seems it seems funny, and she seems really funny too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's weird when you see what you would would view as talent, but not everywhere, and then it's like every fucking movie that comes out is Kevin Hart and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> it's like why why is there such a disparity? <laughs> Yeah, I think those two, they're just, like, so forward, like, marketing themselves, like, like, so, uh... They're just an ATM, like... Ambitious, and yeah, they're what's hot. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, uh... (laughs) I'm hungry. Yeah, sorry, she's being really loud. (laughs) No, you're good. What? Um, what do you want? Hey, kitty. <laughs> well, what do you think of, like, later on when, like, uh, our Otho character, he gives that little quip about, like, uh, you know, people, they say people that committed suicide or whatever turn into civil servants in the afterlife, and it flashes back to that previous part where uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis go to, like, the... Uh, the Lost Souls way station or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, to like to get advice from their caseworker. And the gal at the front desk is like, I wish I would have known then what I knew now. And then she turns her wrists, like she slit her wrists. And then yeah. like it seems like there's a couple other characters there that are like damned or like they're in this they have to serve a stint at this way station place, like in a kind of a like a quasi purgatory for Oh, that's funny. 200 years before they can go on to like their next point or whatever. I thought that was kind of like, yeah. I was interested this time watching it, like about more of like the rules trying to like looking at the mechanism of like, okay, what happens when you get to this point? And, and then yeah. that, that weird janitor is like, that's the lost souls room. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I was definitely confused at a lot of certain points. Like, wait, what? Like, why is he stuck there? And how does he come over here? And then how does he go back? But, but what you're referring to in the suicide thing, I didn't make that connection, but there was that other dude in that same area. Who's like hung by the neck. Who's just like yeah. sliding around. So that would yeah, make and sense. He's holding papers and shit. The one that doesn't though, is the guy who got run over. Who's like flattened. Uh-huh. He's like making those quips. Like, how do I look from this side? little flat like um (laughs) maybe he jumped out in traffic on purpose yeah that's good that's fair i didn't think about that but 
Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny that they the, fo- the they football team was was pretty funny. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think we survived the crash. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, keen eyes will remember that dude in particular. He was I can't remember his name, but he played like a badass fucking linebacker in the program from like '93 with James Con. Uh, I can't remember his name. But yeah, he was he was in that movie that I recognized him instantly. I was like, "Oh fuck, that's what's his fuck from uh, <laughs> the program." Omar Epps was in the program. He played like a the flashy tailback. Um, have you, you ever a, seen the program uh, with James Gunn? What do you think? Uh, are you a North <laughs> Dallas Forty guy? I heard that's good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Have you seen it? No. Fuck. <laughs> It's a good one, man. It's good. It's I've never really seen... Uh, let's see how pissed off I can get you with football movies I haven't seen. I've never seen Varsity Blues. I've never no seen... No way. Oh, just... I hope you're sitting down. I've never seen Any Given Sunday. Um, That's fine. It's a cool movie. Oh, I thought I, I, thought I would, would get you to for sure do an mm-hmm. Al Pacino impression. <laughs> it is funny, though, that I've quoted that for so many years and you've never seen it. The fucking... You got a claw! The fingernails. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Like uh, this is gonna be a real dumb dad moment, but like two years ago, when we were carving pumpkins, and uh, we had the top off, and my daughter was like, "She's all, how do you get all this stuff out, all the guts and everything out out of the inside of the fucking pumpkin?" And I couldn't help myself. It was like a knee-jerk reaction. I was like, you got a claw with your fingernails. <laughs> she just looked at me like I was kind of crazy. I was like, you'll get it in 15 years when we sit down and watch any given Sunday. But, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not torn about that. That's fine. But, dude, Varsity Blues, I mean, you just got to watch it. It's it's good. That, that story prompted a memory I haven't thought about in forever, which was I, I must have been eight or nine probably around the 1997 summer of films I was referring to. And we were uh, carving pumpkins and we had cut the top off and my dad was like scooping the innards out. And I was like so (laughs) grossed out by, I don't, I don't know if it's like the texture or the smell. And he's like, and he's like scooping the seeds out. And I think he was saying something about how you can use it to like make food or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember being like, oh, people eat that or that's so gross. And he took a handful of the seeds and like pulp and he's like, oh, yeah, it's great. And just put it in his mouth. I was like, yes. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I'm, that's I'm awesome. <clears throat> and I'm not like a squeamish <laughs> person, but I remember being like, oh, oh, God, I'm going to fucking throw up. That is so gross. Dude, Papa Steve just fucking shot up the rankings. That's such a power fucking move. Oh, yeah. Just eye contact the whole time. <laughs> Dude, that's such a power move. That's like instant G card almost. Like, Yeah. That reminds me of a story you used to tell me about some baseball coach that, had u- that used to chew. And yeah. he didn't anymore. And he got so mad that he yes. ripped up a piece of dirt. Like. So yeah, the, the, the local, <laughs> the local college, I, I used to live with a couple guys who played on the local college baseball team and they had this coach who was like super intense and he, he quit chewing tobacco 
but when he would get super pissed off at the players, he would literally reach down and grab like a handful of dirt and like throw it in his lip like it was chew and just look at him <laughs> and then continue screaming at them about whatever they were doing wrong. Like, God damn. What yeah, a great that's fucking <laughs> intimidation factor of fifteen. <laughs> fucking dude just lipped dirt. Yeah. Dude, that's hardcore, man. Like, I don't think I would have the stones to stomach a slimy gob of fucking pumpkin innards and seeds. But I'm thinking about it now. It would I mean what made it so gross is <laughs> like as a that's guy so awesome. like as a dude. You will sometimes do gross stuff to just kind of yeah. like be like, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to do this thing and it's no big deal. It, it didn't seem like that at all. It didn't seem like he was saying this is gross, but I'm just going to show you it's not a big deal. He was acting like this is not a big deal at all. <laughs> just grabbed it, threw it in his mouth and like chewed it and ate it. And <laughs> God, that's so gross. Yeah, I have so many questions about like the motivation factor. That's I'm awesome. Tr- He's trying to raise some young men. <laughs> Fucking A, man. <laughs> I'm curious. I would have said, like, what do you think pumpkin pie is made out of, you little shit? You're like, I don't know. Not the goo. Maybe the pumpkin <laughs> itself. <laughs> We're not watching the goo show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same yeah, dude. dude. Between, between goo <laughs> show and, and pumpkin eating right in your face. Yeah, you pops just shot up the rankings that's awesome are you gonna ask him that this this thanksgiving season hey remember when you fucking just like i should up and and threw back pumpkin innards in my fucking face oh dude i have such a clear memory of exactly <laughs> where we were it was so fucking gross uh, yeah i will awesome. ask him if i can remember yeah that's that's hardcore and at the same time, I should apologize for, for making him watch the Goo Show. <laughs> Goo. <laughs> if anybody's not familiar, my brother and me, circa '95 from Nickelodeon, just a great. That's just a good show. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think where we leave off. I think some something revolving around. Oh yeah, like the kind of the ambiguity of the world that this dude has, has set up Tim Burton with like the afterlife and dying. And I think they throw out a couple things out of the book, but I think it's good too, that they didn't like sit there and over explain or have like an info dump about kind of what happens. I think that serves this movie and the story, just kind of moving it along. So you don't get bogged down in like rules per se, I guess, you know, I will um, say, I, I, I don't want to like red pen or be overly critical of the movie because it's a fun movie, but I was a little surprised. Like, if that's me in that situation, how are you not just reading that book all day and all night? Yeah. Trying to, you know, they, they're like, oh, I don't know. We, we read a little bit. Uh, we, we glanced over it and then they don't realize it gets taken. It's like, fuck, that would be the only thing I'd be doing is reading that book. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, because at that point, too, that right before they get the book stolen in this world, it's clearly delineated that um, you are dead. 
this is where you're at. If you step one foot outside your house, you get transported to some kind of hellscape dimension with these tremor fucking sandworms that are going to come devour you. Yeah, I'd be sitting like I was thinking that exact thought too. There's a scene where they're up in the attic and Alec Baldwin is flipping through these pages like nervously, not reading like for <laughs> content. And like he's just flipping through pages like, uh, let me see. Like they're on a time clock. It's like you just got back from the place saying that you have to haunt this place for like 125 years. So it's like take a little bit of time and fucking like reassess get a game plan, like a, a plan of action. But that kind of thinking probably doesn't go hand in hand with this kind of film too. But well, and, that was and the- one where my, <laughs> in my head, I was like alarm bells. It's like, read the whole entire fucking thing and well, figure and, some shit out first. And the part where uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, none of this makes any sense. Um, it's, uh, uh, and I can't remember what he says, like his, his example of these words that don't make any sense. But I remember thinking like, yeah, I, that kind of makes sense to me. Like <laughs> the, uh, the parameters for like interspatial, whatever it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's telling you where you can go and where you can't go, but yeah, you're exiled to the footprint of your house. Like you can't even like, go to your fucking garage. It's like, I don't know what these words mean. It's like, well, <laughs> you have time. Look it up. <laughs> yeah seriously I thought it was weird too they did a they had a weird like time dilation part too like when they're waiting at the oh, way station yeah. and and they were like and that that old gal who she's been in she was in um Mars attacks she played the old grandma in Mars attacks have you ever seen Mars attacks yeah that was like a 96 97 special yep, that, um, that was right in there too I remember watching it, but I don't remember anything about it. Anyway, she, I remember she's in it. Um, I feel like she, I've seen her in other stuff, but I also, in my mind, I was like, I could be confusing her for Estelle Getty from Golden Girls, like the oldest of that crew, who was like the funniest and like snappiest one. But uh, yeah, she's like, oh, she's like, I almost gave up on you guys. She's like, how long were you waiting? She's like three months. And it like, it elapsed in like the period of like an hour. So I thought that was kind of neat. How like they, they sprinkled some, like some time dilation and like the uneasiness of this world. And then like, yeah, you go back and then like these people, the Dietzes uh, have done all this weird, funky, like art deco like shitty interior design architecture shit to this house. Yeah. Um, I do like, I like that one clip of that one guy at the end. He's like, if you want to frighten anyone, just show them your art or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she has all this weird freaky, like it's definitely got Tim Burton's like stamp, like his, yeah. his like vibe on everything. Like, and it, and it, goes hand in hand with like the stop motion effects that he uses like with the statues when they move and and all that so it's definitely definitely got his flavor on it i remember you said you liked or you enjoyed um edward scissorhands is that right yeah yeah i liked it a lot i kind of think of these like existing in like the same universe but maybe that that could just be his directorial kind of stamp like his flavor to things but well, cause what Edward Scissorhands was probably like 91. Yeah. Somewhere in there. 91 to 92, maybe. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And it's got Winona and 
Yep. I don't know. Edward Scissorhands just has like such a cool. I mean, it's a cool story, but it's like a really cool aesthetic too. Like just that neighborhood and mm-hmm. the castle and and all that. Yeah, I would say that that film feels like quite a bit darker than Beetlejuice, honestly. If we're if we're yeah. being real, but yeah, I feel like this one was intentionally silly more than it was like. So I can't imagine what it would have been like to watch it as a kid, obviously, because I'm an, I'm an adult. But I, I don't think this would have scared me as a kid. No. Yeah, I think the only thing looking back on it that scared me as a little kid a little bit was uh, when Michael Keaton's kind of at the end of his rope, and he's like, oh, what do you, th- what do you think of this? And it shows his back, and then it, his face does that weird shit, like some worms and shit are coming out, and it's all... Bah! <laughs> and then you see Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis's reaction. They're like, Oh shit. That part, I remember that part distinctly. Like when yeah. I was a little kid kind of freaked me out because before that, it's like, he seems real jokey and like, you know, like a, yeah, almost like harm- a used car salesman kind of, but kind of harmless. Yeah. But yeah, when that part happened and it, like all that shit flies out, I remember it, it kind of scared me a little bit, but so it could also um, be a side effect of not only being older, but, the special effects these days looking back at that stuff it's like oh that's cute with the with the really kind of not great effects but at the time at the time i bet it was a lot scarier like when they do that weird like face elongation thing Mm -hmm. like wow cool (laughs) yeah i can't tell but it seems like that's like that's one of his things that he's used a lot is like stop motion effects. And I wonder if that was, it seems like it would be stop motion, like the way that they, and like, you know, the faces kind of, they take on like a, like a clay kind of yeah. texture or a look when she, yeah. Like she stretches her fucking mouth on. It looks like a, a crane beak or something like it definitely looked clay to me. Yeah. That part too, I was just watching it. I was like, why are they doing that? I was like, they can't see them. We've already established that these fuckers, <laughs> only Winona Ryder can see them. Why is, why are they doing this now? Like, oh, this is your great fucking plan. Like you're going to stretch your head out and like you got eyes on your fingers. It's like, we've already established, like you didn't even scare them with the fucking ghost sheets where they took the photos and there's no feet at the bottom. They're like, oh, uh-huh. it's like, I'm like. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I missed something there or that they're just driving the plot along and they're like, we got to throw this effect in. And maybe, maybe when they do do that, they can see them. Cause I mean, there's a part earlier too. I remember that freaked me out actually is when they like open the closet and Gina Davis is holding Alec Baldwin's like severed head in the closet. Or when Gina Davis like screams and her eyeballs pop out and it's like, okay, yeah, they can't see you. You're ghosts. So yeah, why I, later on when you do this thing, why would that scare anyone? Yeah, because I well, I think the Otho guy who we should come back to because he died young and it sounded kind of weird. That was like one of the few yeah. things I looked up. Anyway, so he opens the closet and I think she's hanging mm-hmm. and and he's like, oh shit! But what he's talking about is the the clothes in there and then pushes them aside and then the next room they go into is a I think the study the one that the husband is it's the one room he's allowed to keep for himself. Yeah. And that's where she's holding his decapitated head. And yeah. And then he's like, Oh my, he's like, Holy LL bean or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and then like the fucking Gina Dude, Davis that- is like deflated, like fuck. What are we yeah. gonna do to scare these fucking people? That Otho guy is such a cunt character. He is. He's such like a bitchy, like fucking uh yeah. Totally. Sassy bitch. Um yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he died in his fifties, I guess. And when I looked I, up What's the what's the uh what happened? Because I remember hearing about this and I was like, yeah, I wonder I mean he was a bigger dude. Did he just like keel over from like a heart attack or I, I so I did almost no research into this as usual, but for some reason I looked at his <clears throat> IMDB and looked like he died young, so I looked at his Wikipedia and I think he died in his fifties and it said that he fell in his kitchen and hit his head and died of blunt force trauma. But oh, there was Jesus. there was like a sister or something who lived there that said he was having health issues and confined to a wheelchair. So I'm not sure how those hmm. two things are reconciled. I don't know. I'm not going to make any accusations, but I think his sister probably killed him. Hit him in the back of the head yeah. or something and then put him on the ground. That sucks, man. Yeah, that's that's wild. Because he didn't seem like, you know, like like morbidly obese and like to like just drop dead. But I mean, shit, that happens all the time, too. So, but yeah, that sounds kind of fishy. Yeah, slip and fall in your own kitchen when you're confined to a wheelchair. It seemed yeah, it seemed incongruous. I thought one of the funniest scenes too was when uh, like like Beetlejuice. It seems like you know he's got this whole bag of tricks, you know, to like scare people. That's his shtick. And the thing that scares Otho most is like he's like, "Hey, where are you going, round boy? We're gonna have some fun." And he oh. fucking changes <laughs> yeah. his clothes from like, you know, whatever he's wearing. He's wearing like a dark black suit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Bless <laughs> you. Excuse me. Um, he's wearing like a dark black suit with like a red tie. And Beetlejuice's move is he changes him down to like this like white, like, uh, I don't know, like beige cream suit with like a baby blue tie. <laughs> Excuse me. And and that just horrifies him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's like, ah! and he runs out the front door. It's like, I thought that was a funny move. Like he could have done anything. He could have like had a snake appear or he could have yeah. like he did earlier. He could have done something really fucked up. But like, that's the thing that fucking sends his character <laughs> for the edge was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, when he, when he first did the costume change or whatever, I thought his reaction was going to be like, Oh, sweet. You know, because it, it's not like a horrible looking outfit. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes back to like him being like this this interior designer and like he's like on the forefront of like trends and shit like that. That it's, you know, like when they look at that room and he's like, oh, somebody call L.L. Bean or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever that he trans he made that that white suit horrified him enough like that was the that was the last straw for him well because you have to know the recipient's fear so like what's this guy's worst nightmare being unstylish so you know you're gonna (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was awesome i also like to uh like that whole wedding scene where beetlejuice is trying to fucking get hitched with uh 
the Winona. 13-year-old Winona. Like, uh, what is... What? I think it's Gina Davis does something. They're they're trying to save Beetlejuice for a third time to like banish him and fuck up his whole plan that he's uh-huh. got this convoluted plan at the end to marry uh, Winona and somehow like come back to our plane or something. And they're and every part like like the first Beetlejuice, he like fires like a you know like a fake fastball and all of a sudden Gina Davis has got like that fucking like ironclad piece of metal over her mouth. Well, he hits her with, he hits her with the zipper first. Yes, that's right. So she says, it's like, Hey, (laughs) puts a zipper and then she undoes it. And then yeah, hits it again. And then the metal plate and yeah. Oh, that's what it is. I think it's, and then Alec Baldwin tries to say Beetlejuice and then he like rips his mouth, his gums and teeth out. Yeah. Like they look like dentures on the floor and then they start like snapping, like biting, like, and he does that funky ass dance. Like he's, he's shucking and driving Beetlejuices, like avoiding these teeth. And then he's all scram like that. <laughs> that part fucking makes me laugh. It's just like this little inic- innocuous part, but that part makes me laugh every single time. And, and when, then like how he's like, he's like trying to find the ring and shit. And, and he pulls out a ring and it's got a dead woman's finger on it. And he's like, she meant nothing to me. I promise you. Like <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so fucking funny. Yeah. You know, to watch watching this super young, I never put two and two together that it was Michael Keaton. Because you know, when you're young, you don't fucking read the title cards and like you know Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Like I'm just watching the fucking movie, and I remember it when I'm like eight. And then when I get older, I'm like 15 or 16. I watch it again, and it's like, oh fuck, that's that's fucking Batman. That's that's Michael Keaton. And like, of course now, like, you know, as, as an adult, you can see it in the speech, you can see it in the facial features, but like, I remember being young. And when I, when I came to the realization, you know, watching it a little bit later on realizing that, that it was fucking Batman. Cause I think for a lot of people, our age, we associate Michael Keaton with Batman. Um, I remember it like blowing my mind completely and like how he had, he could have that much range like being this like used car salesman fucking, you know, just wild motherfucker compared to like the role he plays and like how he plays it in, you know, the first two Batman films, like wait, like super stoic and like, you know, straight so, on. Like, so wait, so how many Batman movies was he in? He was only in two, the first two. He's the OG. He's not the OG Batman. Like the, the first Batman was Adam West in the show back in like the sixties. But right. I mean, you know, for people our age, uh, he's he's the original Batman, like in full on like live action form. Like the first one, I think it was nineteen ninety, maybe eighty nine. Eighty nine, it was the first Batman, um, and then he did Batman Two Returns in ninety two, both of which directed by Tim Burton as well. So he's got a rapport with uh, Tim Burton, but. Um, yeah, he was he was the face of Batman. He was Batman. Like he was the OG before they went off the rails and started doing all the fucking really like neon colored like Batman Forever and then the one with Clooney and then and then you get into, you know, mo- the modern era of Batman with fucking uh Christian Bale and Ben Affleck, but um yeah, I remember that just like totally flipping my wig that he was like, "Oh, fuck, that was the dude who played Beetlejuice." Like, yeah, he's got a lot of range. The only movie I saw as a kid 
with Michael Keaton that I can remember was Multiplicity. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Great Oh, my film. God. So shitty. <laughs> it is. It's a good shitty film. Like, to me, I put that as, like, it's not a Shawshank film, but it's on the same level. Whereas, if I see that, if I come into it, it was, like, on HBO or TNT or something. Wherever it was, I would watch the rest of it. I'd watch the last 30 minutes or I'd watch the... If it just started, I'd sit down and I'd watch the whole fucking movie. It was just one of those films for me growing up. I don't think I've seen it in the last 25 years on TV. It still holds up. It's good. I like I mean, I would watch it because I remember enjoying it as a kid, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a good flashback. Yeah, mul- dude, multiplicity. I remember, there, was a, <laughs> there was a set of years where um, me and my mom, we were... Th- my stepdad during that time period where we were like, like we lived in a house and we were kind of like a little, we were not poor anymore and we had HBO. And I remember that summer of like 96, 97, I put in a lot of like HBO hours. That's like when I saw like Pulp Fiction for the first time. Like I watched a lot of film in those years between like 96 and 98. I watched a shit ton of fucking HBO and multiplicity had just come out. Like it was, uh-huh. it was out on video and it was on HBO. So they played it all the fucking time. So that was like in that time area, that was like, that was like my shank Shawshank was <laughs> multiplicity. Like I, I've seen it probably 50 fucking times and I don't really have a strong like tie to it. It's just one of those films that I could just put on at any time and watch it and finish it at any point. This might sound really dumb, but I don't care. I haven't seen the movie in forever, but I have like a, there's like a specific part of my brain that's reserved for multiplicity preview. And I don't know why, but I remember this one line from the uh, preview. The character's name is Doug. I would bet a thousand dollars. Yeah, and it is. I remember I remember seeing the preview, and it's like, and now Doug's problems are really multiplying, and then they show all <laughs> the other characters. I have thought about that particular line <laughs> a billion times, and I could tell you, and I could tell you exactly where I was at a water park when I first like saw that preview and thought about it, and. And now I can hear it too. Like, and now Doug's problems are multiplying. Yeah. Yeah. Really (laughs) multiplying. That's so funny. Yeah. Just like, yeah, some of those trailers in that era, they're just like right on the fucking nose. Like the narration of some of these trailers. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, that movie is so good. Cause it just like, it, it, when he starts multiplying, yeah, his problems do, it's like more money, more problems. It's like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to clone someone to like make my life easier. Of course it makes it a thousand times more complicated. It's almost, it's got like a, there's like a small, I've never seen click. I refuse anything beyond like big daddy. I kind of refuse to watch Adam Sandler wise. Like, cause he went on that, he went on a fucking hit parade of dog shit. Like you were just put, telling like, me, you were just telling me about Hubie Halloween liar. That that's the one that 
we did watch because it was like Halloween themed and it's got some, you've it's got seen some funny parts uh, 51st dates, which is after big daddy liar. It is. I, that's another one that that's strike, an exception. I, strike two. But so I'm, I'm talking specifically like, okay. So like, um, I've heard uh, uncut s- gems is really good. I haven't seen it, but I have two. And that's the Safdie brothers that I really want to watch. Uh, and I still haven't. That's, that's, that's a mark of shame for me that I haven't seen uncut gems, but it seems like one of those ones that I'm going to be very like tense the whole fucking movie. Um, so I got to be in the right headspace to watch something like that. Cause it's like, it's like that Chappelle sh- or maybe not Chappelle show, but like maybe one of his standups where he's talking about, you know, like I smoke weed. He's like, I don't like smoking weed with other people. Like they just want to talk about their problems. He's like, I'm trying to escape my problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I gotta be in the the right headspace to watch something kind of like fucked up, or that's gonna make me on edge the whole movie, like that. Um, but so, like, I put like Spanglish, like bedtime stories, Click, uh, that fucking terrible one where he dresses up like a woman and it's like his sister. Um, yeah, and the fucking the Zohan, the hairdresser shit. Zohan's good. I've never. There's like five or six in that era where what the about, exceptions. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. I did like Punch Drunk Love. Yes, you did. That's Strike Three, brother. All right. <laughs> so there's like a glut of films from like '99 to like 2004 yeah. that I didn't care for for Sandler, but yeah, Punch Drunk Love is one that like uh, I've. That's like one film I've only seen one time, and it was like the whole experience of it was just good enough. It was like a perfect one watch and I liked what it gave me and I, but I have no desire to ever watch it again. Yeah. Even to show someone new who has never seen it. It's just like, I felt like it was a good like life experience. Like you can't relive a life experience. You can think about it, but um, I think there's another one that I I wanted to like that I thought was kind of shit. It was with him and Don Cheadle. It was called um, Oh um, fuck, what is that? It's from like 2001. It has like 9/11 themes. He's like traumatized from like 9/11. He loses his kid is that and his wife. I think Funny People, where he gets cancer. No, 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 no. no. What that is one, that? One? That one sucked. Um, yeah, Funny People sucks. Uh, well, there was also the the night of or the week of with him and Chris Rock about their kids are getting married. It was dog shit. Couldn't finish it. No. Yeah, there's just go with it with fucking Jennifer Aniston. Didn't watch that. I have. I will say I have seen Grown Ups. Uh, the first one's pretty funny. I, yeah. That's a shameful. Um, I guess he just put out one, though, that's called Hustle from 2022. The best. I've heard that one's. Uh, I've heard it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard good things about that too. And you know, you you have that thing like you know he's like he loves the game and like he fucking he wears like big ass baggy shorts and you'll they'll find him like playing like a pickup game and in, yeah. in like New York on a Tuesday at like two in the afternoon like yeah that's cool that's like a passion project kind of thing but um, I've not seen that one. I did watch Pixels in the theater, which that movie's dog shit, but I watched it with my daughter, just me and her, and we had a fucking ball. Like that was that was a fun, like just 
straight up popcorn like have fun in the theater and turn your fucking brain off um <laughs> what was the one i'm thinking of uh rain over me from 2007 with don Cheadle. yeah that's the one that he's like this fucked up dude who's his his wife and kid died 9 11 and he's like fixated on this game this playstation 2 game called like um something of the colossus and he's got to like beat the game to overcome his fucking like sadness and demons of losing his wife and kid it's it's convoluted and it's it's pretty bad but i will say too yeah i've i've got this is four strikes now i liked i liked i now pronounce you chuck and larry too that was that's got some good yeah, laughs in it that's fun it was a good one but yeah hubie halloween is is pretty bad <laughs> i feel like if he didn't go with like the water boy like speech pattern that he chose to use like this like bayou like cajun idiot yeah i feel like the movie would be a thousand times better but it's a really good it's like a seasonal like i don't put it up there with like a christmas story but it's like that it caters to a holiday specifically so if you're trying to get in like a halloween mood and you got kids i think the really the thing that sold it for me is they bring back ben stiller's character from happy gilmore Hal, the fucking like uh yeah the orderly there's a really funny part like it's just a a bit cameo at the very beginning he like pulls he's he's checking on like these fucking uh insane asylum freaks and he pulls back the fucking the the bedding and it's it's formed in like a shape of jello like a human and that's got like a hot dog for a dick coming out and he's he pulls it back and he's all oh like <laughs> i can't reproduce it but like the sound he makes like the name's hal l and you're in my world now of just horror and shock is so fucking funny. <laughs> and then there's a part where they put, they put a pair of like, um, uh, Groucho Marx glasses, you know, like the glasses that have like a mustache attached yeah. to it. Yeah. They put it on a dog's ass and it's got the dog's tail is wagging like a nose. Dude, it fucking kills me every fucking time. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> Just picture putting <laughs> in the dog's tails, just going nuts. Like, yeah. Anyway, fuck. We've gone. We've gone off the res on uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, you want to wrap this up? Let's just. I I, I did find a find a couple uh, interesting pieces of trivia about Beetlejuice. Yeah. Our main topic here. Um. So at one point it says Tim Burton considered Arnold Schwarzenegger for the role of Beetlejuice try that on for size like what the fuck <clears throat> and it was it was tim burton which is interesting the the uh production company or like you know the people backing this fucking film were like no we feel like he's an action star and people wouldn't take this fucking seriously with arnold as your beetlejuice so yeah, they that... the studio turned burton down for that choice yeah that doesn't make sense yeah, that's wild. It seems that seems like it would be like a studio move. Like, hey, let's put this huge name in yeah. to try to draw people in. That seems like incongruous with like Tim Burton, like his, like you know, him as an artist and a director or whatever. That seems like a really strange like 
first choice. That's weird. Hansel. He's so hot right now. <laughs> Hansel. Have you ever seen... Um... Speaking of Go football, ahead, sorry. Uh, fo- uh, football movies and the previous, previously besmirched Dwayne The Rock Johnson, how do you feel about Gridiron Gang? I've never seen it and I have no desire Dude, to. It's good. Is it good? It's good. Okay. How about this? If I watch Gridiron Gang and like it, you have to then watch Varsity Blues. Okay. Okay. And then, to tie us back to North Dallas 40, <laughs> which you brought up, if you like Varsity Blues, then you have to watch North Dallas 40, because I feel like Varsity Blues is a spiritual successor, or like it drew a lot of inspiration from North Dallas 40. But North Dallas 40 does it in a way where it's like very much like a hard R. Like these guys are popping painkillers and fucking like trying to take people out. Like it's it's really good. North, yeah. North Dallas 40 is fucking awesome. Yeah, North North Dallas 40 sounds cool. Varsity Blues sounds pretty fucking dumb. But yeah, okay, maybe we can amend it to if I like Gridiron Gang, you gotta watch North Dallas 40. You can just go straight to the source. I mean, I'll watch both. That's fine. It's a good one. It's a good early, earlier role for uh, Nick Nolte. He plays like this old washed up, like beat up fucking wide receiver. But yeah, it's it's really good. I liked it a lot. Oh, another interesting choice I thought here too. Piece of trivia: Wes Craven, who is behind Scream and. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. He was the first choice from the studios to direct this film, which I thought it dude, it'd be a completely different movie if yeah. he would have been brought in for it. Uh, Bill Pullman from Independence Day fame, yep, uh, was considered for the role for Alec Baldwin's role initially. I would have preferred that. Yeah, dude, John Candy, John Goodman, and Bob Hoskins. We're considered for the role of Otho. That's pretty wild. Who's Bob Hoskins? Do I know him from something? Uh, have you ever seen Hook? Yeah. Is it Shmee? Uh, Sh- Smee? Yes. Okay. Smee! <laughs> <laughs> or Mario Mario from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, man. Have you ever seen the Super Mario Brothers movie with uh, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo? Nope. It's it's pretty trash, but it's funny. There's a funny side anecdote that I guess Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo quickly realized that this that uh, that movie was a shit show. So they would proceed to get fucking hammered every every lunch that they had on set. They would just get hammered. And I guess in one scene later on where Bob Hoskins is driving a car, he fucking crashes into other cars that wasn't in the script and they kept it in the movie. And it's because he was just fucking completely blitzed during the filming, um, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty rad. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see out of those. I could see John Candy pulling it off and maybe to a lesser degree, John Goodman. But I think the guy that we got for Otho was... Uh, was pretty solid too. I think he encapsulated that character. Yeah, I think I think John Candy or or John Goodman would be too good. Yeah, yeah, they might upstage other people. Yeah, I mean, because this dude is very forgettable. 
I, I, I kind of in my brain, I, I mix him up a little bit with the guy who played Max in Armageddon, big fat guy. And he's like talking about haggis and he's like, that'll put hair on your ass. That guy, they kind of have a a little bit of a similar, I confuse this guy with, uh, the guy who plays cam in modern family. Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Fucking Cam. Yeah, I've I've been a late bloomer to uh, Modern Family, but Cam is definitely <laughs> up there on the, the pantheon of characters, probably along with Phil, that I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> that was a fun series to get into later, because it's got so many fucking episodes. But Yeah. Uh, all right. I don't think I have too much more on uh, Beetlejuice. Do you have any anything else about Beetlejuice you wanted to talk about before nope. we get off? I know this is kind of a twofer because your old lady was hitting me up and was like, I just found out Steve's never seen Beetlejuice. You oh, yeah. Watch it. Yeah. She, so, just, she just told me that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Did you guys watch it together? Like, did she flash back to it or? Yeah. She, yeah. Yep. <laughs> right on. Yeah, this is a this is one me and my me and my wife enjoy quite a bit too. Um, I like a lot of obscure, like weird shit, but this is one that we can that we both agree on, and it, it's it's not crazy enough to where we can't watch it like with our daughter and shit like that. So it's a fun one to to flash back to every every Halloween season. Um, so that's why I put it as our kind of our last salvo here for the ode to Halloween. And it, it's more of a mainstream that we'll, um, we'll try to get away from a little bit, but I, I still feel like it's kind of, it's niche enough. Um, I mean, it wasn't like a huge Hollywood blockbuster or anything like that, but, um, okay. So cool. We'll put a pin in, in Beetlejuice. We'll mark it as a, as a win, for old yep. G baby here. Um, <laughs> so this week I actually, I do have a Denzel devotional, so we'll get into that. This one's pretty low stakes, but, and, and really it's the, the ending that seals the deal for me. So let's get into, see what Denzel's got to say. And now it's time for our weekly Denzel devotional. In nomine Patris et et Spiritus Sancti. So uh, I can't, I, I saved two of them and I'm going with this one. I think it's, it's, it's kind of a play on like, oh, you get knocked down you, you dust yourself off, you pick yourself up, but it's kind of funny. So here we go. God damn it. <laughs> so I've had some failures in front of a lot of people, but uh, I didn't mind that because you grow from that, you know? Uh, I had one review said uh, he was brilliant, and then he opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, the first line in the play. <laughs> oh, he was great, and then he opened his mouth. And um, I was there the next day. <laughs> I like that how he follows it up, like, and I was there the next day, like. <laughs> 
Uh, just his, his laugh, like, just, that's the one that sealed it for me. But, uh, yeah, so that's our, it's not really weekly anymore because I quickly realized that, uh, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's enough to make this a full weekly thing, but every now and again, we'll, we'll try to feather in some Denzel when it makes sense. Um, I guess I do have a colloquial corner, so we'll hit that. The colloquial corner. This one's pretty low stakes too, and it's kind of like a quick hitter, but um, one that it's it's probably ties into with more of like a get off my fucking lawn thing that I'm sick of hearing is um, it revolves around goat, and I guess I I mean. Not to put my foot in my own mouth, I've used the term "goat" before, sure, but um, <laughs> which makes me cringe when I think back on it. But I'm really sick of hearing. Have you noticed people saying "goated" lately? Like that's one that people like. He's goated. Like he's no. been like like, thr- like crowned, or this person's been like like he's been goated. I don't like that. No, not necessarily. But what I will say is, I also agree that I'm so sick of hearing the term "goat" <laughs> because the, it's like the ter- you throw it around too much; it loses its fucking meaning, and it means two completely opposite things. So there's the hero and the goat, right? So a hero is a good thing; the goat is a bad thing. But now the goat refers to the greatest of all time. So. If you're referring to a, a football player like Dan Marino, like someone who sucks, like Dan Marino, and you say God he's the you. and he's the goat, that could that could mean both he's the greatest of all time or he's a villain, like like he sucks, <laughs> like these two, yeah. This don't this term, the name of Dan Marino. <laughs> my point is the term <laughs> refers to two things on the on the most opposite ends of the spectrum as possible. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah. Do you have any colloquialisms that you've heard that have really just got your goat? Colloquialisms? Um, Or sayings or whatever. I don't know if I'm misattributing the fucking thing. No, not that I can think of. Yeah. All right. I mean, when people say things like someone's living their best life or... (laughs) I can totally see you just... You just fuming over hearing that? Oh God, yeah, totally. And, I, and I'm I'm not even on any social media at all for that yeah. reason. But when people are like, "I'm here for it," or "That person's <laughs> living their best life," or <laughs> goals, or yeah, <laughs> no, count me out of society. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, those are all ones that I think, and then I think, how much would Steve hate this? Yeah. A 10, yes. Full hate. (laughs) Um, One thing I always forget while we're talking about shit, what? When people say, uh, like, I was today years old when I learned. (laughs) When I learned that, yeah. I was right. today years old when I learned that Batman was Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, All right. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, one thing, uh, too, I, I've 
meant to sprinkle in here too. We haven't talked about music in quite a while. Um, but is there anything you've been listening to recently? I saw Arctic Monkeys just came out with a new album. Have you heard that at all? No. I thought they broke up. No. They put something out a couple years ago. I think it was... Um, fuck, what was it? Uh, I think it was like... The theme was like a moon base. It was like moon base tranquility or tra- tranquility hotel... Something like that. I think they did that a couple years ago. Um, that's a banger album. This new one seems kind of kind of a little fart sniffy. It's a little yeah. up their own ass maybe. Yeah. But there's this one song called that they just released called. It's called There Better Be a Mirror Ball, which I need to do some research. It's like, what the fuck is a mirror ball? Um. But it's really slow, and it's kind of like they've gotten into like this almost like lounge singer kind of like thing that they're doing, and it fucking irritates the shit out of my old lady. So every time we get in the car, <laughs> I make sure and play it. Um, sure. But there's this one line, too, where and I, I use it a lot um, when she's fucking being a terror there's this line where uh the lead singer from arctic monkeys he's singing uh in there better be a mirror ball he's like uh you're getting cynical and that just won't do like (laughs) (laughs) something about that man it just fucking it really hits my tuning fork and like (laughs) seeing the reaction it's almost it's not quite but it's up there with like um when you're in a fight and the, the the pearl of wisdom that you've uh, <laughs> given me in the past that I use, like I like it's like burning a hole in my pocket when we get in a fight. Uh, saying at least you didn't overreact about it. Like just like <laughs> let's go let's go scorched earth. Um, that that's a new one. It's not on the same level, but it's up there where I just. You're cynical. (laughs) It's funny because the at least you didn't overreact thing. It's not meant to extinguish a fight. It's it's just meant to like poke. (laughs) Or in my case, like napalm a forest. Yeah, (laughs) that's it's the beauty. It's like a it's a more. It's a it's a more complex and romantic take on like just relax. Yeah. Um, just calm down. <laughs> calm <laughs> Calm down. Um <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anyway, yeah, that's like new music wise. We haven't touched on that in quite a while. I'm curious what are you listening to these days? I don't listen to music at all, really. Really? It's either podcasts or music that I've it's heard like a, one million times. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> um, like a time capsule from two thousand five yeah. and before. <laughs> Nothing new. I just don't have the energy. Yeah, there's there's too much new shit. It does, man. It seems to come out at just like a ridiculous clip, but. Ever since I I upgraded to Spotify Premium, I try to like, it's almost like chores, but 
once I do find something new and dope, like it makes it worth it. But like I, sometimes I force myself cause I get it. I'm very streaky too. Like I think you are sometimes like, yeah, like I'll be in a mode of, okay, I'm, I'm into podcasts right now. Like I'm listening, this shit's like really like it's getting it for me. And then I'll be like, fuck music. And then, um, <laughs> I'll listen to like, I'll flash back to something from like 2003 or something new will come out and be like, oh shit, this is dope. And then I'll be like, fuck podcasts, it's music. And I'll be on like a two week, I'm just listening to fucking music and catching up and like some new shit and sprinkling in shit that I've heard a billion times. Um, and then I'll just go back and forth on that seesaw of like podcasts that are just really like fucking doing it for me and then music back and forth. But, um, I think, yeah, that Arctic Monkeys that just came out, you should give it a spin. I'm curious. They seem very, like, uh, fucking, like, chameleons of music. Like, uh, like if you compare what they've come out with, like, in the past six years compared to, like, you know, like, uh, like all the shit that they're known for from, like, the early 2000s, it's, yeah. it's weird to see that, like, evolution, like, of where they're at now. Like, they almost sound like they're going for, like, this weird, like, lounge like lounge singer, like kind of act thing, but some of the songs work. Like it's, it's a weird, weird thing. Well, they're British. So as an American, I do not trust them. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, uh, damn. I didn't think we were going to go this long. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think we'll, Oh fuck. I forgot, dude. I, I have one shout out that I have to do real quick. And then we got two new reviews on uh, <laughs> Apple podcasts that I want to call out because uh, they were dope. We, we need to give credit where credit's due. So first of all, I'm fucking remiss in our, our last episode. I didn't touch on this at all, or maybe I did, but um, it wasn't sufficient. The fine folks at a cut above horror, horror review. You can find them anywhere. Spotify, Apple, Anywhere you get podcasts, uh, a cut above. They had me on two weeks ago now for it's episode sixty seven for Donnie Darko. Uh, they had me on for it. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was good to flash back to that because earlier in my youth, I I was on a pretty good Donnie Darko kick for like a couple years. Like it fucking like like I wasn't super wrapped up in it, but it was something that like I thought about and like I really liked that film. So we had a really good discussion um about Donnie Darko and thank you again for for them having me on. Um so check them out. They they put out sh- uh weekly episodes. Like Go back to China, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's What's a line a f- from Donnie What's a fuck ass? <laughs> yeah, dude, I love that. And I guess a lot of that was improvised to like their interactions. And it's like, totally. Yeah. It's like their brother and sister, let them fucking go wild at that like dinner scene. And like, cause in that scene, it looks like Jake Gyllenhaal is like legitimately like, like, ah, oh, fuck. Why'd you say that to mom? Like I went off my pills and shit and like, like their interactions are are very. I mean, they, that dude kind of <clears throat> the jackpot finding like a brother and actual brother and sister for those roles. But um, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a fun one to talk about. Sorry, um, didn't didn't mean to derail you. Just couldn't resist. No, no, yeah. I mean, that's dude. Another one is like uh, 
Patrick Swayze's role in that film always kind of fuck it, it like because you I think of him of like Roadhouse and like all these like you know like he's a badass but in this film he pays he plays like a fucking pedo and he's like real creepy and like it was it was like the perfect casting to like cast him in that role in Donnie Darko but I remember like that part where Jake Gyllenhaal's like and I think you're the fucking Antichrist I watched that movie on drugs one time and like <laughs> I was like I was possessed like of the same mindset of Jake Gyllenhaal I was like dude he is the fucking he is the devil like oh fuck like anyway great soundtrack um, too excellent soundtrack we touched on that too yeah there are some fucking bangers and what's interesting too is i like i guess at the time that they put out donnie darko they didn't have the rights to certain because it was a low budget it was like an indie film they didn't have enough money or the rights behind them to secure the songs that the director actually wanted to use in the film so later on once the film got big and word of mouth and everything they went back and they did a director's cut and he cut in different songs the original songs that he actually wanted one of which is you know the whole sparkle motion side plot where the sister is doing that weird yeah um yeah all that i they used like a pet shop boys song for their performance and i uh, i can't remember what the fuck the song is but i think it fit at the time but i watched the director's cut and they cut in a duran duran song called notorious which is notoriously known for uh the notorious big he used he sampled that in that notorious big song you know notorious yeah you know what i'm talking about that's from that sample is from a duran duran song called notorious that i had never heard before and in the director's cut they spliced that in because they had the means and everything to put in what they wanted to put in that song's a fucking banger i don't know where you sit with are you a duran duran guy or um i'm agnostic about them i have no real opinion it's it's a banger, I feel, and I feel like it fits that scene much better. That whole sparkle motion, that sparkle motion montage that they do, versus that Pet Shop Boys song. But and and then at the beginning, you know the uh, the Echo and the Bunnymen song, yeah, that they use the, at the very beginning. The I do Man. like that a lot. Yeah, I do like that a lot. But in the director's cut, they used um, an in excess song called um, I killed myself is... while jerking off. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, it was um, God. Why can't I think of it right now? I think it was God. I'm going to have to fucking edit this too. Where are we at in the world? Minute and 52. I want to bring this up because the song is a banger. Um, I'm trying to remember the song that the the girls were dancing to in Sparkle Motion. Yeah, it was. I'll get it. West End Girls. Here, West End Girls. Is that what? That, was that doesn't one. sound right. It is. Trust me. I looked at the shit when the girls were dancing. Yeah, the Eastern boys and Western girls. I know the song, but. <laughs> that's terrible um dude yeah that's what it it is and then they did it with they they replaced it with notorious by duran duran but the nxs song at the beginning that replaced it's uh yeah that's what it is it's never terror yeah it's never tear us apart the never tear us apart 
Ah! You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. They made a couple differences in the director's cut of uh, Darko. And I it's funny, too, because in the beginning, when they're playing the NXS song, instead of Echo and the Bunnymen, there's a part where... Um, Donnie is coming down the mountain at the beginning. He's riding his bike home and he passes that Frank character in a red car. And it's in the line in the song. It syncs up when he's like, and when our worlds collide, right. As he's going by. So it ties into the end of the, the movie. So I just, I felt like I was like, Oh shit. I feel like that fits much better. Anyway, total aside, uh, Check out a cut above Donnie Darko. I think they're on a couple episodes beyond that. I think their most recent episode was Halloween three. So check them out. They fucking put out a lot of good shit. Thank you again uh, for them having me on and apologies for not calling that out. Our last episode, last couple weeks have been pretty all over the place for Steve and I doing being on ghoulish and that show. And just been a a funky week. You want to give uh, a plug to the friends over at ghoulish university. Yeah, we hit we hit them on the last episode too. But yeah, check out Ghoulish Uni, Ghoulish University as well. Uh, they had us on for VHS two, which I think is coming out next week. They record a couple weeks in advance, um, but that their Halloween special should be releasing sometime next week. I think Thursday or Friday uh, on VHS two, where Steve and I guessed it, and we had a lot of fun with them. So thank you very much uh, again to them for having us on. So to wrap this up too, we got. Uh, We've gotten a couple more reviews on Apple iTunes and then uh, a couple written reviews. The first one's pretty fucking funny. So I thought uh, I'd uh, read it aloud here. So this is from DBeck82. I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, this was fucking, this really uh, gave me a good chuckle. So uh, they gave us a, a five star review and said, Big film bluff here. They have some interesting wordplay. Um, I love watching them and I do love listening to them. Movies or as cinephiles like myself calls them films, pull the drapes back on the cultural moment for a peek into the mystery of imagination. G baby and big old Stevie dog do a hell of a job getting down to the nitty gritty and discussing things. Her head never thought before these fellows crack me up. Can't believe how that Stevie dog never seen these films before. What was that guy raised by? A pack of wolves? Or did he grown up in a basement like that Potter kid? He probably never seen them films neither. Keep on trucking and waxing with purpose. Well, thank you very much, DBEC82. Eloquent. Um, appreciate you. Um, and then we got another written review from a one Aaron Prescott. Said, fun and entertaining. These guys have very silly banter, and I especially love the true crime episodes. Well, fear not. As soon as we get out of this uh, Ode to Halloween, we will be kind of back to a more quote-unquote normal schedule where we'll be uh, feathering in uh, some unexplained, unsolved true crime kind of stuff. Um, So that'll be coming your way soon. So thank you very much for the uh, written reviews. Anybody rating on us on uh iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Keep them coming. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate it very much. If you want to reach out to us, got any thoughts about what we thought of Beetlejuice, uh, you can reach out to us via email at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com or uh, either of our socials. Instagram is waxingtheporpoise or Twitter at waxingtheporp. Any final thoughts? No. I, I appreciate both those reviews. They both seem like 
very smart people. <laughs> Rock on. All right. So um, next week, uh, what do we got next week? I think we're going to be doing um, <laughs> next week. Indeed, we'll be we'll be flipping back. We're we're talking, and I I apologize if I'm fucking saying this wrong. I've seen it a couple different places as Oakley, and then later on I've seen other reference him as Oki. So I apologize because this guy died. Uh, we'll be covering the. It's not a disappearance, so it's uh, he was actually murdered. So the case of Oakley or Oki. I apologize, Al Kite. Pretty fucked up. Um, but yeah, that's a, a true crime case that's been unsolved and, uh, we'll be talking about it next week. So for everyone that enjoys those kinds of episodes, that's what we'll be digging into, uh, next week. Thank you very much for joining us for Beetlejuice. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you've had a great spooky season and hope you have a happy Halloween. <laughs> 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 Bye. <laughs>